Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right, my friends. You are listening here, the home of conservative, not bitter talk. <clears throat> yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. And for those of you watching on the uh, the camera, on the feed here to the home studio, I want to say, <laughs> you know, we are in the process of of moving and basically, what I've got on this morning is because uh, I have a I have a Colts an old Colts shirt on this morning. It's not because I'm a, a revitalized fan of the NFL or anything. It's because there's not a lot of selection with what's uh, <laughs> what's available upstairs to to wear here this morning because of the the move and everything going on. So. Welcome to the program. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, so far as I know, as long as they allow us to be there. And of course, you can email me your thoughts, questions, feedback, and yes, even adoration and praise accepted at that email. Folks, uh, you know, I, I, I read these, uh, the, these stories. I mean, here, here's a headline for you. Here's a headline for you. Um, as Biden continues to try to lead us and and lead the United States of America through this debacle that is Afghanistan. Headline at Fox News says, Biden urges Taliban to provide for well-being of Afghans. I mean, is there a more naive headline that you could possibly come up with today? I mean, again, this I'm not blaming Fox. This is This is what Biden is out there calling for. This is the best that we've got. The best we've got is to cross our fingers and to hope that the Taliban is not the same Taliban that we've been fighting and dealing with um, since, well, for 20 years now in the nation of Afghanistan. It's a remarkable, it's just remarkable to watch this. And I'll tell you what else is remarkable here. Polling shows, let me get, let me find this here. Polling shows 25% of Americans approve of Biden's handling of Afghanistan. 25%. Now you could say three out of four people don't approve. And I would say that's, that's a sign of people realizing just how pathetic this is, how terrible this is. But how in the world, how in the world does one out of four people think that this is actually positive, a good thing? What on, what on earth is good about this? I, I would like to know, well, for starters, I would like to know what is good, what is better here. Remember, Biden's campaign thing was, was build back better. Build back better as he 
hid in the basement and refused to go out in front of people and campaign during the election. That was that was the storyline. That was that's what you know we're supposed to be. That's what this you know this new president's supposed to build back America better. Now, of course, that is not. Um, they use that as a kind of a catchphrase, as a code word to say we're going to build America into this socialist utopia. That's what it is supposed to indicate to the radical left. But to those of us living in reality, to those of us who love America as founded, what in the world did build back better mean? And how in the world, what's one example of how America is better today Happy birthday, Dad, by the way. Today's my father's birthday. <clears throat> but how is today better here, August 23rd, than it was on January 20th? In one substantial way, any, any way, I will say to anyone out there, what is one way, any way, that things are better, that America is in a better position? Just what is it? Because I don't objectively, and I mean, I truly mean this, there is not one way that, this, that it is even remotely better, not even close to better. It is a dumpster fire in every conceivable way. And Afghanistan is the latest example, the most, I mean, the saddest example um, the, I mean, words fail me to express just how badly we have managed this process of removing our troops from Afghanistan. I've seen headlines with ISIS in the title now. I mean, this literally I'm waiting for, I said this last week, half jokingly, but you know, some of these things become reality. I'm waiting for a headline that says one of bin Laden's relatives is restarting al-Qaeda terror camps in Afghanistan. It really, I'm not even kidding at this point. It would not surprise me if that was the case. This is absolutely astonishing. It's inexcusable. And somehow, 25% of Americans think that this is, I guess, good. I, I just, <laughs> I guess 25% of Americans can, I guess, believe in, in anything. But 25% of Americans, here it is, the vast majority of those polled say they disapprove of Biden's handling of the current situation in Afghanistan, with only 25% noting they approve of the way he's dealt with the crisis. How? What? In granted, now three out of four people realize what we're witnessing here. But how in the world? This this goes to show just how devoted. In fact, I saw on Twitter the other day. <clears throat> I saw on Twitter the other day there was a. Um, somebody you know that you you write your your description of yourself in your twitter profile and it said devout democrat devout democrat which 
I think it's a pretty good depiction of what the 25% here uh, would be considered or how they would self-identify devout democrat it doesn't matter what the evidence shows it doesn't matters it doesn't matter what the 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 science shows it doesn't matter what the um the the fallout is it doesn't matter how mismanaged and how messy a situation is they are going to stand by the president of the united states because they cannot afford they cannot afford their ideology does not allow for this sort of uh, bad news. They cannot accept that. They refuse to acknowledge even when their guy makes blunders on a scale beyond comprehension. They refuse to accept that. But 25% of Americans, I guess, are still okay with the way that Biden's handling Afghanistan is truly remarkable. If you stop and think about it, when we get, again, we've got people throwing their babies over razor wire fences. We've got, we've got people who are running to the mountains for their lives, hiding, uh, fleeing the Taliban. You've got Taliban forcing women to wear the, uh, the burqa again, or, face death in some reported incidents. I mean, this this is, the reports get worse there by the day. And not only that, that's, that's the situation, but because we are so focused, I saw this, this story too, we are so focused here on the optics of this that we actually have a story here is reporting that, here it is, U.S. General tells British forces, stop rescuing people in Kabul. You're making us look bad. This is a headline, a story in the Washington Examiner. Tom Rogan, this was from Friday evening. He writes this, I understand that the commanding general of the 82nd Airborne Division has told the commander of the British Special Forces at the Kabul airport to cease operations beyond the airport perimeter. Major General Christopher Donahue has told the, excuse me, his British Army counterpart, a high-ranking field-grade officer of the British Army's 22nd Special Air Service, that's SAS Regiment, that British operations were embarrassing the United States military in the absence of similar U.S. military operations, according to multiple military sources. I understand that the British officer firmly rejected the request. Good, by the way. So the story here is that one of these generals who apparently, I guess, takes his job to be defending the president of the United States instead of conducting military operations first and foremost to save the lives of Americans, people that are trapped behind Taliban lines in the nation of Afghanistan that has been caused because of the mismanagement of the withdrawal of U.S. forces led by President Joe Biden, because of this, instead of thinking, I mean, this, this again, I said on Friday or maybe Thursday, maybe both, this is reminiscent of Benghazi in so many ways to me, in so many ways. Instead of thinking all hell is broken out, you know, in this area, <clears throat> instead of thinking, these are, you know, this is a situation that we need to do something to try to stop. We need to save lives. The first thing they think of is how can we make this not look as bad 
as it is on us. You know how pathetic that is? You know how wicked and evil that is? You know how, I, again, word, words fail me what this is. So fortunately, the U.S. general here, um, again, as, as being reported here in this Washington Examiner article, Major General Christopher Donahue basically said, hey, man, quit running these military operations and saving people. You're making us look bad because we're not doing anything. We're telling people to, you know, to be careful, to be on the lookout for ISIS, um, you know, coming after them at the airports. You know, that's the sort of stuff we've, we're not doing anything about it. You guys are out there running operations and saving people. You're making us look bad. And to his credit here, the SAS officer basically says, no, we have people to save. We have a job to do. You know, probably said, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? This is this is embarrassing. This is pathetic. This is sad. This is reprehensible. People, and again, this is not the military's fault. This is the fault of what they're being instructed to do. Of course, we could go in and run similar operations if they had not, they, the Biden administration, had not made the final call that none of this was going to, uh, that, that, their political, the political fallout of this was greater than any, anything else, the loss of life. I mean, what, what on earth? They've got, tw- again, 25% of the devout Democrats or the folks who, I guess, live with their head in the sand. This is, this is awful, awful stuff. People calling for the impeachment of Biden over this. And that's never going to happen. This is still being blamed on Trump in some circles. In fact, I got some sound bites of that. Maybe I'll play those. Maybe, maybe I won't. I mean, there's just so much to comb through and sift through here. But the takeaway is that this is objectively horrific, what has happened in Afghanistan. And it's objectively the fault of the Obama excuse me, of the Biden administration or the third term of the Obama administration, as we've been told uh, to refer to this, <clears throat> to this, uh, I guess, administration now, or Jimmy Carter's second term. This is bad stuff. It really is. It, it's, it's just, and there's lives, you know, at stake here, American lives, Afghan lives, the future of a nation, the hopes and dreams of children squashed. And, Basically an instant because of the complete and utter mismanagement of the circumstances here on the ground in Afghanistan. Quick timeout is in order. Listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. my friends oh let's see here sifting through some of these headlines defense secretary contradicts biden on afghanistan withdrawal um this goes back to what biden was uh talking about 
in the weeks leading up to, I guess, or uh, the the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said Sunday that intelligence assessments on the U.S. military withdrawal from Afghanistan predicted the Taliban could retake the country in a matter of months, appearing to contradict President Biden's reassurances last month that a Taliban takeover was not inevitable. During an interview with ABC News, Martha Raddatz at the Pentagon, Austin declared that nobody in the in, in the excuse me in the intelligence community that nobody this would include, in theory, President uh, President Biden predicted that the Afghan movement would fall to the Taliban as rapidly as it did. Remember, this is the story now. First, it, Biden Biden told us with George Stephanopoulos last, last weekend, hey, man, this is just the way it's going to be. We, yeah, we knew this was going to happen. We knew it. Of course we knew it. Okay, In so why did we leave the people behind there? Why did we leave... Are people unprepared? Why did we not take steps and precautions? Wouldn't that have been part of this? I remember even saying at the time that those comments made it worse for Biden. He's trying to defend himself, and it actually makes it worse to admit that he knew that this was going to happen. I remember go back and listening. Uh, if I went back and listened, I remember we could pull that. That soundbite, that that actually makes it worse for President Biden to say, yeah, we knew this was going to happen, but we did it anyway. We didn't take any precautions. We basically just said, be ready to fend for yourself. Now we know that his generals are out there basically telling those that are saving people, those who are conducting missions to save people behind Taliban lines, we're out there, according to reports. Our generals, at least one of our generals, is saying, to other countries, please stop it. You're making us look bad. What? What on earth? So now we got that that conflict within the administration. We got another headline here. Secretary of State Blinken dodges questions on if Biden knows what's going on in Afghanistan. His response to that question, it's an emotional time for many. <laughs> it's a, an emotional time for many of us. Now, I'm mentioning this because one of the questions I've been getting from some of you, and I've heard this multiple times through email, through social media, so on and so forth, some people are, some people believe that this is the moment, right? This is the moment that the Democrats have either been setting us up for or, um, They've just made some decisions that it's time for Biden to no longer be president of the United States, and we're going to start hearing about the 25th Amendment and all this stuff. This guy is not aware of what's going on. Um, he's telling us things, and then he's, you know, he's telling us that it was unavoidable, and now his Secretary of State's out there saying, or Secretary of Defense, excuse me, is out there saying that that's not the intelligence reports. Um. And I understand. I understand where you're coming from. But I also think that, you know, you have to, we have to back up, rewind 
the tape, so to speak, and we have to look at what was happening in the months and years leading up to 2020, right? So 2016 was not supposed to happen. President Trump was never supposed to be president. Hillary was supposed to Hillary was supposed to win. They were sure of this. They were shocked when President Trump won election in 2016. Now, some folks would go out there and say um, that this was, you know, when you look at what happened in these elections and the allegations of some things that happened, some people think that that was the case in 2016 as well, and they just underestimated the response. They didn't have a response set up or they weren't prepared to to do whatever had to, had to be done in 2016 to actually stop the numbers from being what they what they were. I'm just telling you what some people think. I'm just painting the picture here. We had you know something that was never supposed to happen. Trump, this rank amateur when it came to politics, was never supposed to waltz into Washington D.C. Um, well, to wal- I guess to waltz into the political stage here in this country and win in a convincing way, clobbering someone with the name recognition and the machine that Hillary Clinton had. Right? We had we had pay to play stuff going on. We had the Clinton Foundation stuff back then. All this stuff going on, st- stuffing money in the, the coffers of the campaign, uh, but just some really atrocious stuff that that I think was going on that certainly needed to be investigated. No one's had any interest in that uh, since those days when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State and, you know, certain people would give money to her campaign from foreign, well, to the Clinton Foundation overseas, and then there would be some favorable decision made by the U.S. State Department on behalf of that country that would benefit those donors, and the money went into the coffers of the Clinton Foundation. The second that she lost the presidency, the Clinton Foundation donations dropped, I mean, off the charts dramatically, right? I mean, it's all that stuff was going on back in 2016, and before that, but leading up to 2016, then Trump came along, Trump won. And not only that, but when Trump became president, Trump started actually doing the things he said he was going to do, doing things that threatened threatened the advancements that had been made, the so-called advancements. Of course, they're regressions. They're not advances. They're regressions when we move towards big government and statism. Right, which is where the left wants to take us. But they saw that they were going to literally start losing ground. Trump cut taxes. Trump cut regulations. These are things you simply do not do. This panics the left in ways that you and I can't really understand because they have built it so much into the psyche of the American public, or at least into their their base, That without those bureaucratic rules and without the level of taxation, this country can't – that they've established, this country can't function. People are going to start dropping dead from eating hot dogs in the city of New York because these things save lives. And when that doesn't happen and when people see that 
the economy is roaring and humming along and that unemployment is at statistically zero because the only unemployed folks are really those who are changing careers and you begin to see all the the, the power of the U.S. economy, the might of the U.S. economy. You begin to see that we are a net exporter of of oil at that point in time. When you see that immigration was slowed and there were there were policies in place to stop the tide of illegal immigrants crossing our southern border, all these things were happening, and they don't like that. They did not like those. Th- they benefit from these things. I just saw reports out that says that the Democrats sought to take advantage, or there's a report that says that they did uh, take advantage from over COVID during the, the election. Well, no kidding, they did that. That was their very intent. You know, anything that happens, and then the government comes to step in to solve the problem or to help, these Democrats, they, it's not, it's these lovers of big government. They, they, they take steps that benefit them. This is not, this is as obvious, this is a universal truth. It's obvious as the noonday sun. And so, so this is kind of the scenario with President Trump. And there was no way on planet Earth that they were going to have a repeat of 2016 and 2020. But the problem was they had a candidate. They had no candidate that some, that, that the Democrats wanted to vote for. And so they... Remember, this was back uh, after Super, right before Super Tuesday. They made some phone calls. We've gone through all those. They called Pete Boot Edge Edge. They called Elizabeth Warren. They called Amy Klobuchar. They called these other jokers that were running for president, and they said, look, name your price, name your position, name whatever you want. We'll take care of you. We just need you to drop out. We need you to... We need everybody to coalesce around Biden because we know that a Bernie Sanders campaign is not going to win, not going to defeat President Trump. And so we need your support. And everybody dutifully did this. Now we've got Pete Boot Edge Edge in the what the Transportation Department Secretary. He's the one that's wanting to tax us for every mile that we drive. That's the guy. That's right. Lover of big government, never found a tax or a bureaucracy, any sort of rule, regulation, any form of bureaucracy he's against. He loves all of that stuff. This is what lovers of big government do. They think that they can micromanage your decisions in your life, my life in such a way that we all benefit. Everything turns out to this utopian society that's ushered in by their ability to manage every little detail. He's been rewarded. A lot of these folks have been rewarded for dutifully stepping in and supporting Biden. And so it's been a common belief, and I've got to take a break here. And in fact, I'm going to say this sentence and then stop and we'll pick up after the break. But it's been a belief of many for some time that Biden was a temporary solution, but not really the right candidate for the long, you know, for the work that was needed to push this nation further left because the guy candidly is a uh, a bumbling <laughs> he can't he can't string stick sentences together in in 
I guess, uh, expressing the ideas that the radical left believes. And so at some point it was believed, it has been believed, that the left will replace him when the time is right. And some people are believing that this or thinking or asking, suggesting that this is the time. So we'll talk about that. Is this the moment in time when Biden is replaced? Is this the moment in time when the media is going to stop defending him and start pointing out his obvious weaknesses that they've been covering up all this time. What's going to happen next? And we'll talk about that. I know some of you are thinking that, and I'm going to get to that <clears throat> as well here. So sit tight. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. back my friends by the way program brought to you in part by our friends at edwards equipment you can find information about them online edwardstractor.com located in danville just a little bit west of indianapolis they sell they rent and they service several makes and models of lightweight residential or heavy duty commercial Equipment. Check them out, edwardstractor.com, or call them, 317-745-6427. Be sure to tell them you heard about them here on the Todd Huff Show. So for the break, we kind of set up this, um, I guess, discussion, debate as to whether or not this is the beginning of the end of Joe Biden as commander-in-chief, right? You hear the, the calls for impeaching Joseph R. Biden. Those calls are made predominantly, almost exclusively, probably exclusively by Republicans and uh, conservatives. So, but there are people out there who also believe that this is what Biden, uh, the future, Biden's future ends at some point along the way before we get to a re-election bid in 2024. Remember, at one point, Biden said he was only going to be a one-term president. That He changed his tune on that um, later in the campaign in 2020. So it's conceivable that this guy thinks he's going to run a second time. And but there are people, there are power brokers in the Democrat Party, the big money folks, the folks that we don't even always know who they're, what their names are. The most, the most common name you'll hear thrown around is, is George, George Soros, but there's others um, as well. And of course, they have an ideological uh, worldview. They have a worldview that they want to see implemented in the United States of America. <clears throat> and I think they assumed, again, going back to the history of how we ended up with Biden, which was they threw up their hands. I, I wish I was in that meeting when these power brokers in the Democrat Party came to the realization or came to the conclusion that the only chance they had was to nominate and to get behind Joe Biden in 2020. And that's when they made their phone calls prior to Super Tuesday. They made their phone calls. They said, this is our guy. This is, we're going all in on Joseph R. Biden. 
And I can only imagine... I can only imagine the looks they shot at each other. Are you serious, man? This is the best we got. After four years of demonizing Trump, of setting up Trump to be the most hated president in American history, with the help of the media, with now you know the, the way that we've been weaponizing COVID and all this stuff, all this stuff on the political landscape, and they still... <laughs> They still barely pulled this off with all their money, with all of their corruption, with all of you know these things that were happening, parts of the strategy and tactics and so forth. And the thought always was, okay, this guy obviously can't do this for very long because we can only pretend that he's a normal president for so long. Like This guy just doesn't have... I don't again I don't take any pleasure in saying this. I do, I really don't like it. But the truth is the guy does not have all his faculties. Joseph Biden does not it, and it it is sad. No matter what his ide- ideas are, it's sad to watch, you know, t- to see some of the stuff that we see from Joseph Biden. And so I do think that it was a contingency for them to say let's find a way to empower Maybe it's Kamala Harris, right? She's the natural next choice because she's the vice president. If Biden is removed from office, the vice president will become president of the United States. The problem is her approval rating is at 43%. The problem is she's up there cackling when she's asked about the Americans that are left in Afghanistan Right, I saw this. I got to maybe we play the quick sound by, but you know the laugh. <laughs> that laugh. My goodness. I uh, I kind of feel like I nailed it. It's, it sounded as ridiculous in my head as it sounded in, in real life. So I, that, that had to be close. But this is this is their person. This is her. Right? This is we're supposed to all just fall, you know, for the next person who's the has the identity of a candidate that we're all just supposed to support. She's a black, female, Asian, Pacific Islander candidate. Right? I mean, this historical. That's supposed to be the, the narrative here. But the problem is she just isn't likable. She just doesn't have, you know, there is no Obama-esque sort of person out there. Well, I mean, Michelle Obama is probably the most likely, or maybe if they get someone like Oprah to run. But these folks are saying they're not even, they're not in politics. They're not out there campaigning. They're, I mean, they're doing their thing. They're trying to move the needle. They're trying to help the narrative. But they're not actively interested and actively engaged in becoming some people will disagree with that, but they're not out there actively, you know, lobbying for, you know, to be the replacement. They could have. They could have. Biden practically was begging Michelle Obama to be his vice presidential running mate. So is this still the plan? You know, you have to put yourself in the positions of these decision makers and these power brokers. You've got. A dumpster fire here across the world caused by your party, and you know this. 
They know this. They absolutely know this. They know how this looks. The media is even, they're probably calling in and saying, hey, we're having a hard time saying with a straight face that, you know, being able to say on our air, CNN, for example, last week we had that reporter who said if this isn't a crisis, then we need to know what a crisis is because this looks pretty bad. I can't imagine it being any worse, candidly. The, the media, it's its so blatantly obvious this is a mess. The media can't even defend it. So they look down and they think, okay, is it time to invoke the 25th Amendment? Well, what are we going to do? We're going to put Kamala up there. We're going we're gonna to waste all this political capital for Kamala, who's another terrible candidate who may not be any better than Joe Biden. I mean, they, they don't know what to do either. They do not know what to do. And I'm telling you, this is we're, we're at this, this stalemate. They don't know. They don't know what to do either. They don't have an answer. It's much like the same situation they were in when they had to decide to coalesce around Joe Biden prior to Super Tuesday. Now they, just, they still don't know what to do. And I've got to take a break long in this segment. Back in just a minute. back really quickly <clears throat> appreciate the feedback i've been getting here on social media um the media is being tougher on biden but they're not I, I just don't see them turning on him until they're given the green light to do so and they're not going to be given the green light to do so until the power brokers of the party know and are ready to push the next person be assuming that's kamala but that's not going to happen until she's I mean, maybe that's what this tour in Southeast Asia is about, to try to get her ready for this. I don't know. But they don't know what to do, folks. That is what I do know. Quick timeout. Back in a minute. Welcome back. I'm not trying to imply that they're not looking forward or looking at the option, the possibility of replacing Biden, of enacting the 25th Amendment. In fact, I remember Rush, prior to his passing, saying that Biden would never finish his first term. That's what Rush thought. I, I don't know. I do know that they will do whatever it takes uh, to advance their cause. And if we're squaring up for a Trump 2024 run they know that they've got to do something they know that this guy this biden is not gonna beat trump in 2024 at least not right now and they don't think kamala can either so what are they supposed to do anyway i've got to go have a great day sdg see you tomorrow take care